Welcome to the Detox Dilemma Podcast, where toxin-free living meets real life. I'm your host, Wendy, an environmental toxins lawyer turned clean living coach, and today I'm going to explain what has social media in an absolute frenzy and even sparked a class action lawsuit being filed in California last week. Yes, I am talking about the uber popular and super controversial Stanley mugs, you either really love them or you really hate them. And this issue revolves around the use of lead solder in Stanley mugs and whether you should be concerned and whether or not you should throw out your Stanley mugs. So in this episode, I'm going to walk you through what the issue actually is, just the facts and what my personal take is on this issue as a whole, as well as my thoughts on the class auction lawsuit. And if you're a mom or pregnant, or you just are concerned about the impacts of lead poisoning or lead exposure, I'm going to walk you through some important facts and share the best ways to avoid lead exposure in your everyday life. Ready? Let's dig in. So if you've spent any amount of time on social media recently, you, I'm sure, have seen Stanley mugs and this idea of lead uh, being inside the solder. So the thing is, yes. Stanley has said, they came out and said, we do use some lead solder. It's a little tiny pellet on the inside of the insulation, and it's used to seal the insulation. And then on top of that pellet is a stainless steel, it's like a cap that goes on it. It's the round piece of the bottom. I actually have a Stanley mug right in front of me right now, and I'm looking at it. It's the small piece on the bottom of your Stanley that has the little like Pegasus looking animal lion thing. I don't know. Anyway, if you were to find a way to remove that cap or that cap were to fall off, there's a tiny disc on the inside, a tiny little pellet that does have a small amount of lead solder in it. Now, for a little bit of perspective, this is exactly how all of the stainless steel industry has made stainless steel bottles for decades. This is how they were made. Starting around 2016, a hydro flask figured out using their hydro shield technology how to make that seal without lead. And I've actually heard the owner of hydro flask talk about this. He said, you know, we went through so many failed attempts. It took five years for them to patent this technology and millions upon millions upon millions of dollars trying to figure out how do we do this without solder that has a little bit of lead in it? Because they were using solder that had no lead, this lead-free solder, and it wasn't working. It was just falling apart. The insulation wasn't holding. And so it was with huge effort that hydro flask figured it out. So if you are somebody who, and then Clean Canteen was next, they figured it out next. Thankfully, with Hydroflask and Clean Canteen, you know, leading the way, I've heard Stanley talk that they're very close in technology to figuring out a way also to move forward without using lead and that their hope is in the next couple of years to phase it out completely. But I think it's important context to know like Yeti does this. The big stainless steel, if you go walk into Target and you pick up a stainless steel bottle, if it's not a hydro flask or a clean canteen, it's made with lead solder. It just is. All of this came about and hit social media because Lead Safe Mama, who is somebody who has kids who had lead poisoning, and she has taken it up as her personal passion to expose products, products that are out there for consumers that are using, especially children that have lead in them, but are not being identified as things that have lead. So she actually owns a XRF analyzer, which actually you can identify lead in multiple layers of paint and other things using it. So she uses this technology 
and she tests products and then she puts it out on her blog. She's very popular and she has a mission and I completely respect a woman who is passionate and I think that this is an important issue and I'm grateful that she does the work that she does. She's also very science-minded. You know, I've read the report she did on Stanley Muggs and I think it was very reasonable. She explains where it is, it's on the inside, and if that bottom tab falls off, that's when you can be exposed. Stanley has a lifetime warranty. If it comes off, you're supposed to let them know. They're going to send you a new one. Unfortunately, what happened was people took that report and kind of, you know, this is social media. This happens all the time. It's a very dramatic polarizing conversation, which is unfortunate because it should just be a reasonable informational and educational conversation. There really shouldn't have been any sides taken on this. It really should have just been a good opportunity to talk about stainless steel water bottles. And instead, what it became was, oh my gosh, Stanleys are so dangerous. But everyone started posting and saying, oh my God, there's, you know, lead in Stanley. We're all being poisoned. And so my feed started getting flooded with people saying, you know, throw away your Stanley, cancel Stanley. How dare you, Stanley? It became very emotional very quickly. And the piece that was missing from all of it was the point that the lead is on the inside bottom of the mug. And if that lid, that stainless steel lid on the bottom is intact, there is no lead exposure. There's zero. Your exposure is zero. And so I actually did a reel. It was kind of tongue in cheek. And I was like, listen, don't take a sledgehammer to the bottom of your Stanley. And if you notice the little thing fell off, like throw it away. Like th this is not a reason to be terrified and to cancel Stanley. And if you don't like Stanley because of this whole Neil mom, Stanley rush status, whatever, whatever, that's fine. That has nothing to do with this lead issue. But I think that actually had a lot to do with why this blew up the way it did. Where was Yeti? How come Yeti is not, everyone's not mad at Yeti? <laughs> you know, it's only Stanley. And so I do think a lot of it has to do with the current hype and how quickly Stanleys have grown in popularity. I will disclose I own a Stanley. I drink in glass, glass mason jars when I'm at home, but I actually really love my Stanley, which was gifted to me by Young Living. I did not buy it. I went on a trip to Hawaii and it was gifted to me. And I use it. Like if I'm in the car, it's really great to fill up with water. My little stainless steel tab on the bottom is completely intact. I'm not worried about it. I'll, I'll keep mine for as long as it keeps that little tab on it. And if that tab ever falls off, then I'll throw it away. But the emotions got so high that anybody who tried to talk about this issue got attacked. I had messages in my inbox telling me things like, you're making fun of kids who have lead poisoning, which I obviously would never do. I literally teach about avoiding toxins for a living. I had people telling me that I hoped my kids got lead poisoning. And how dare I make light of this issue when it's such an important issue? And so ultimately, I ended up taking down my reel just because I didn't feel like it was very productive. It's also not very fun to be on the other side of harassment. Online bullying is definitely alive and well from grown ass adults, which is very sad, but I think common. And, you know, I do have a following. And so to a certain extent, I think I have put myself out there and, you know, it's going to happen. But I went ahead and took the reel down and I got a lot of messages from people saying, can you do a podcast about this? Like, can you walk through this issue? What should we be concerned about? What do we not be need to be concerned about? So that's what I'm going to do. So that's the issue with Stanley. 
And last Thursday, there was a class action lawsuit filed in the state of California. So if you are a citizen in California and you purchased a Stanley, if this lawsuit moves forward, it's something you could potentially be a part of and get the cost of your Stanley back to you. What these women are alleging is basically false advertising. They're saying that Stanley put themselves out there and marketed themselves as being a rugged company that has these bottles that last for a really long time, but that they have admitted that even with regular use, that little tab on the bottom, potentially, even though they say it's rare, it could potentially come off. They also market themselves as being BPA-free and as a healthier alternative to plastic water bottles. And they did that without ever volunteering, right? They, ne- I don't think they ever hid the fact that there was lead in it. In fact, if you go on Yeti's website, they actually have like a Q&A. I wish Stanley had had like a little Q&A. Yeti's you could find right on their website. Stanley, they actually had to come out and say, yes, this is how we make it. This is how everyone makes it. It's how we've always made it. We're working on it. But basically what they're saying is they hit it and they hit it on purpose because they didn't want these millennial moms who love their Stanleys to stop buying them. And so they basically said, you know, they committed marketing. It's it's fraud. I will follow the lawsuit closely. You know, my feeling is, we always say in our small little legal community, you never know in California, (laughs) you know, the lawsuit was filed in California and that is a crapshoot. You never know what California is going to do. I think if this were filed in any other state, it would probably be a non-starter, especially because Stanley can say this is industry standard with very few exception. Most people make it this way and we're working on it and we never hit it on purpose. and. It's inside. You're not exposed. I think it's a long shot, but you know, I've been wrong before. We'll see what happens. So let's talk about lead for a second. So you can have a clear understanding and perspective about your risk to lead poisoning. And I think everybody's probably aware that pregnant women and children are definitely much more at risk for lead exposure. I'm going to start with the good news because I think it's always good. If anyone ever asks me, do you want the good or the bad first? I always say, you know, tell me the good first. It'll, it'll set the tone. So let's start with what's good. So the way that lead poisoning is assessed is by measuring blood levels. And the blood levels are measured in micrograms of lead per deciliter of blood. That's just the standard measurement of lead in blood. So in the 1970s, the average blood lead level of U.S. children ages 1 to 5 was 15 micrograms per deciliter. If you're anything like me, switching to a natural deodorant was the most difficult toxin-free swap. I think when all was said and done after doing all the pit detoxes I found on the internet and trying over 15 toxin-free brands, not exaggerating, I was left, well, stinky. I needed something that worked. Some legit just did not work at all. And some used too much baking soda that while I didn't stink, it eventually left a nasty rash. Not fun. But then along came Primally Pure, and it worked great. I smell amazing and no rashes. And now it's my favorite deodorant, and my entire family uses it. My husband prefers the charcoal version, and I'm obsessed with the citrus vanilla. But if you've struggled to find a natural deodorant that works, you're going to want to give this a try. Hop on over to www.detoxyourpits.com and use discount code WendyCatherine at checkout for 10% off. 
Okay, so 15. The most recent reported measure that I could find covered the years between 2011 and 2016. And the average went from 15 micrograms down to 0.83 micrograms. So let's celebrate that significant decrease. And as you probably can guess, that decrease is attributed to laws that have been passed that ban the lead in paints and lead in gasoline, as well as other prevention efforts. Lead exposure can be a problem anywhere, but research shows that it's a larger problem in poor communities and is concentrated in cities that are older, like in the Northeast and the Midwest, where everyone has older housing. Any home that was built and not remodeled prior to 1978, there's a much higher likelihood that there are lead pipes in the drinking water system and lead paint. Those are the number two most common exposures that lead to lead poisoning in children. And not by a little bit, like by a lot of it. Like those are the two big ones. Anytime there's a child that presents with high levels of lead, you're always going to focus on where is it coming from. And in the U.S. still to this day, it's these older homes, it's in the drinking water, it's in the pipes, and it's in the paint. So while these lead levels have been dropping significantly among American children, the government's also been lowering the standard, the level that determines whether or not a child has lead exposure and lead poisoning. The reason for that is because our science is getting better. Back in 1991, the standard was 10, 10 micrograms per deciliter. So if a child presented with 10 micrograms per deciliter or more, that was enough to say there's a source somewhere that is poisoning this child. Then in 2012, that was actually reduced to five micrograms. If, if a child presented with five, they said this is a problem, there's a lead problem somewhere. Now, as of 2021, the standard is 3.5 micrograms. We have so much data, so much data. And I think the common things that people know is the IQ issue. So if you're a kid who is exposed to lead at high levels, it can cause intellectual, behavioral, motor function deficits, as well as hand and eye coordination reaction times, a lot of things. But something that has come up time and time again in the literature is even low-level doses. And what I saw in all the meta-analysis were things like above five, above five micrograms, but maybe a little bit less than that, also can lead to ADHD. So, you know, our government is starting to, the FDA and the CDC, they're starting to look at what about these low level, you know, between 3.5 and 5 micrograms. Maybe we need to take a look at those kids also and see what we can do. And the thing about lead is, The higher level that's in your blood, the higher the severity of the symptoms. But remember what I said at the very beginning, the average American child has 0.83 micrograms. So well below that 3.5, and while no amount of lead is quote unquote safe, I will say there's a reality here. And it's a reality I tried to portray, you know, on social media when I talked about this is to have a little bit of perspective that you cannot avoid all exposure to lead. There is lead in our soil. There's lead in dust. If you live in a city around an airport, there's lead everywhere. Small amounts, but it gets in the soil and it gets in the air and it gets in the dust and it gets in your house. So one of the reasons why people say don't wear your shoes in your house is because you can track heavy metals into your home and now it's part of the dust particulate that is floating around in your house. If you're somebody who was like, okay, Wendy, just tell me all the ways to avoid lead. What are the top ways that people are exposed? 
that are not water pipes. So obviously, I'm going to tell you, go get a really good quality NSF certified water filter. Everybody needs a drinking water filter. There is lead in your water, period. I don't care where you live. There's lead in your water. So you can go over to my toxin-free shopping guide. I have an entire water filter section that is full of all of my top favorite water filters that will remove all of that lead as well as all the other things that are bad for you in your drinking water. And if you don't have lead paint, you don't live in an older house, these are the top sources of exposure. So the first is high lead foods. There are a group of foods that are more likely to have heavy metals, not just lead, other heavy metals as well, but we're just talking about lead today. And those are, unfortunately, (laughs) dark chocolates, which has been in the news. I'm sure that's not a surprise. Dark chocolate Plant-based protein powders is a really big one. Spices like turmeric, cinnamon, cassava flour, cassava root flour, balsamic vinegar. These are foods that have higher incidence of heavy metal in them, including lead. And so I would say for those particular set of products, if you're somebody who loves dark chocolate, you use plant-based protein powders, you love spices like cinnamon and turmeric. Go with a company that does third-party heavy metal testing. That's really the only way that you're going to know that you can avoid it in those things that you're consuming. I'm going to give an example. There were applesauce pouches, multiple different brands of of cinnamon-flavored applesauce pouches, and there were hundreds of people poisoned, children poisoned by these packets of applesauce. And the FDA has been investigating. I actually just read this morning before I started recording this, that they've identified where they think the contaminated applesauce came from. And it came from Sri Lanka. It came from cinnamon sticks that came from Sri Lanka. And then Sri Lanka shipped them to Ecuador and then Ecuador processed them into ground cinnamon. And then they put that ground cinnamon into these applesauce, which they sold to multiple companies, which is why multiple brands had them. And then they sold them in the U.S., and I can tell you that that these applesauce pouches aren't the only ones. There is a lot of food contamination in this country, a lot. There's arsenic in your rice. When it comes to food, there are just things we can't control because we live in an international community. There's not a lot of standards overseas and frankly not here as well. So you can either totally freak out about the fact that you may have some of this in your food, or maybe this is the one place that you say, you know what, I can't really control it. But if you're buying those highly likely foods like the dark chocolate or the plant-based protein powder, you're going to go with a company that does a third-party certification. The other place that you are exposed are lead-glazed ceramic ware and pottery. And that is because lead is used to make ceramic glazes. So things like your crock pot or ceramic cookware that you may have or ceramic or glazed plates and bowls. Coffee mugs is a big one. You know, in China, they ship over a lot of those. People love those coffee mugs. I have those cute little sayings that they can like grab at Target. I'm not saying the ones in Target, but there's a lot of them out there. Those cheap coffee mugs that everyone thinks are so cute. So many of them are full of lead. The glaze on them has lead on them. So stick to lead-free. I actually just bought a whole new set of dishes because mine were super, super old. I've had them for a really long time from Mora. There's a company, Mora, that I love. They make beautiful ceramic dishes that are completely lead-free and they're tested. I am looking into getting a new crock pot. 
and I already have handmade coffee mugs. And so, you know, if you're buying cheaply made overseas things like that, you might want to consider switching to a higher quality US made and somebody who says, hey, we are lead free. We test for it. And here's the proof. And then lastly, cosmetics. You knew I was going to say that. (laughs) Avoiding synthetic petroleum dyes. And there are some colored minerals that can be contaminated with heavy metals also. So when it comes to cosmetics and what you put on your face, Make sure you're purchasing from a company in a brand that is making colored makeup that is free of heavy metals. My entire cosmetic section on my toxin-free shopping guide are brands that have no heavy metals. They actually check for them. They are no synthetic dyes, which are petroleum-made dyes. You can find those by seeing companies who say like, oh, we have yellow five, red six. If those are in your makeup, you want to avoid those. So those are the main sources. Your paint, if you have lead paint in an older home, in your drinking water, especially if you have lead piping in an older home, known high lead foods, like we talked about all the dark chocolate, protein powders, etc., lead glazed ceramic and pottery, and your cosmetics, your colored cosmetics. If you are somebody that's concerned, I highly recommend you get a blood test. Take your child to a pediatrician. It's a super easy test. You can just go get it done and it can give you, you know, a lot of peace of mind. And a lot of people ask me, hey, I think my kid might have lead poisoning or heavy metal poisoning. You know, there's all these products on the market like TRS and should I do a heavy metal detox? And I'm Maybe this is controversial and against like what the holistic community out there is saying. I absolutely do not support or recommend at-home heavy metal detoxes ever. There are some very serious complications that can come from it. If you have a child who does have very high amounts of lead, uh, their doctor may work with you and do what they call chelation therapy, but it's done under the supervision of a doctor. When you're detoxing heavy metals and you're pulling them out of your body, there are very serious detox symptoms that can happen. It can cause anemia, hypotension, hypoglycemia, heart failure, kidney failure, and yes, even death. So this is not medical advice. This is just Wendy advice. Never do a heavy metal detox on your own using products that are being sold as binders or from people on the internet. Make sure you're working with a practitioner. It doesn't have to be a doctor. It can be a practitioner, anybody who has the background and the experience to actually do it and supervise it. And I'll wrap this up with some full disclosure. My family and I lived in Naples, Italy for five years. And I there it's an area of Italy that is highly contaminated because of the mafia. <laughs> that is a thing over there. There was a lot of hazardous waste dumping. There are a lot of heavy metals. The water supply there is not fantastic. There's dumping sites. There's PCE. There's all kinds of issues. And we were there for five years. My children went to Italian school. I worked on an Italian facility and I knew we probably had some exposure to heavy metals. I went ahead and did hair follicle testing for all of us. We did have elevated levels. They weren't high enough for me to go to a doctor and say, hey, you know, I want to talk about, you know, whether or not chelation therapy could be helpful. But what I chose to do, and again, this is not medical advice. This is just me sharing what Wendy did. (laughs) We started doing cilantro and chlorella. So those two things together 
from a whole food source, adding cilantro and chlorella, it's really important that you do them together. Those help your body detox heavy metals. It helps unbind them and it helps get rid of them. Some of the other things that are proven to help somebody who's been exposed to lead, high amounts of vitamin C, calcium, and iron. Those are three powerhouse nutrients. They can help your body eliminate lead and stop it from being absorbed and getting into your bones and accumulating in your body. So getting in vitamin C, calcium, and iron is just a really, I mean, that's something that really everybody should be doing. Anyway, from food sources, I'm a big fan of getting things from food sources. Okay, that wraps it up. This is actually one of the longer episodes, but I do feel like it was important to cover all of these issues. I wanted to be really comprehensive. I wanted you to end this episode and be like, got it. Now I know everything. Thank you, Wendy, for explaining that so well. Hopefully I explained it well. I just didn't want to leave any lingering questions. So thanks for hanging with me today. That is all I have for you. I hope your life is getting just a little bit less toxic and I'll see you next week.